How we doing, guys? It's uh, Nathan Blum here from Blocking and Tackling, bringing you another episode here where we're bringing on a guest that uh, you know has has had a had a long career in sports sales. Um, you know, he's worked a lot of different places. Really good perspective, and now on the consulting and training side of uh, of sports sales. And man, to see this is a really cool conversation. We get in. It's a little outside of the box of the other conversations, but I think we get we hit a couple topics that I think a lot of you guys can really relate with and. I'm really excited for you guys to to listen in. So let's uh, let's get right to it. Uh, episode coming live in three, two, one. Hey, podcast land! It's Nathan Blum here with another episode of Blocking and Tackling. Uh, this is episode number nine, so we're we're getting up there. Um, I got a guest today. Hey, kudos to to Brett Zalaski, and and if I'm butchering your name, you will have to help me out there on the last name, but. Uh, you he jumped it. on last second and, uh, you know, couldn't be more excited. I have been a fan of, you know, watching your content and your career from afar, and it's great to finally catch up. How are we doing, Brett? Uh, it's it's a beautiful day here in Houston. Just uh, we're starting to get some of the humidity rolling into town, but um, I'm appreciative to uh, to be inside and I'm appreciative to be uh, on this podcast. You know, what, what you're doing is, is really remarkable for the industry. So uh, I've enjoyed uh, the first the, the first few episodes. So uh, hoping I, I, I keep raising the bar for you. Absolutely. Well, really appreciate the time again. So, hey, kick us off here, Brett. Um, this is the 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 first question I love to ask. You know, tell me what would your origin story be, or if someone wrote a comic book, what's comic book number one uh, from Brett? Here, give me your backstory a little bit. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I grew up a huge sports fan. Um, grew up playing uh, sports even all the way through college. Um, then. Um, got a job outside of sports, uh, working for a company called CEB that's revolutionized the way that people see sales. So they wrote a book called The Challenger Sale. Um, and that's where I always, you know, I say I got my bachelor of sales um, from, or my first superpower in selling from, you know, one of the most progressive sales organizations in the entire country. Um, and then, you know, I, I just got really, really lucky. I was, I was back home. I, I used to always go back and work with my high school basketball team. And one of the assistant coaches was a guy named Doc O'Neill, um, who's Scott O'Neill's son, uh, oh. and or sorry, Scott O'Neill's father, uh, and just so happened to say, hey, Brett, do you want to work in the NBA? And I said, no, no, no. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go back to school. I don't think I need my MBA for what I'm doing. And he <laughs> said, no. And so he said, no, the NBA, like the basketball. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll totally do that. Um, so I didn't even know you could work in sports. Um, and, until I got the opportunity with the NBA league office and their team boat group. And, um, you know, from there it's, it's been a really fun ride. I've, I've been all over the map. I've done women's soccer, indoor lacrosse, the national sales center. Uh, I've run my own training business. I've run ticket sales for two major league soccer clubs. Um, and you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm doing the website empowered where uh, I'm really giving a voice to the, the sales rep around the industry. Um, and you know, it's, it's been such a cool ride, you know, as a kid growing up, going to professional sporting events, you know, now helping people get to them is, is such a cool opportunity that I embrace every day. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I, I can relate with you, with you a little bit. I, I actually played college tennis at uh Moorhead state. Where do you say you played, uh, do you play in college? What, what sport was it? So I played baseball at Hamilton college. Um, so, Very cool. uh, I went, I, you couldn't tell by my height, but I was also a halfway decent basketball player. Um, <laughs> so I, I went to Hamilton to, uh, to play, to, to play baseball and uh, basketball. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I always, you know, I always joke with reps, you know, hard work is very, very critical. Um, 
you know, I took the easy way out when I got there because I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning doing advanced conditioning for basketball, then going and, and doing advanced conditioning for baseball, leaving, going to the baseball field, playing baseball and then playing basketball at night. And after about two weeks of that, I was just like, I tap out. Like This is way, way, way too much to start my uh, to start my college career. So I ended up ultimately playing baseball. Very good. Yeah. And, and pertaining to, you know, sales in general, I, I love talking to college athletes because I know they have some intangibles that help them get to the place that they are that is really translatable when it pertains to sales. I, I always say like, if you're not going to be a professional athlete, I feel like in the business, you know, world sales is the most translatable because you get to compete every day, the work you put in, you get out and, and, uh, the work ethics really instilled at you from, you know, to make it to that level at a really young age. And you have to really execute all the way to, to, to then playing at the, at the collegiate level. Absolutely. Um, fair or unfair. Um, whenever I've been recruiting the first place that my eyes go, when I see a resume is college experience. And, you know, I always look to see were they a collegiate athlete uh, or, you know, did they do a lot of stuff on campus? Um, you know, if, if they're an athlete or they were participating in their collegiate experience, um, you know, I'm, I'm oftentimes even more impressed than when I see a GPA. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, I don't think I'm supposed to put this on the podcast, Brett, but I don't know if I've checked many GPAs in uh, my time hiring folks. It's, it's been nope. a lot of the other things, right? Work ethic. And, um, I think that it, you could say that a high GPA take, takes a lot of work ethic though in college, but, um, Hey man, kicking it off. Can you give a, a little backstory about what Teambo is, how it was created, um, cause that is one of the most dominant, um, groups of folks that really help drive culture across the whole NBA. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to have a perfect date on this, but I know it was started a long time ago by Bernie Mullen. Um, you know, who's obviously just an absolute legend, uh, in this business, in this industry, uh, and what it is. Um, and you know, a lot of it came from the foresight of David Stern too, who is to this day, the smartest person I've ever been in a room with. Um, it's essentially team marketing and business operations, which is an internal consulting firm for all WNBA, NBA, and G League teams um, for all the ways that they create revenue and marketing. So it supports teams in ticket sales, premium sales, service, uh, retention, um, premium retention, uh, marketing, uh, sponsorship. So in all those different ways um, that, that an organization creates revenue and marketing, so also driving revenue. Uh, if you're doing it correctly, um, it supports all the clubs with assets, resource, research, people um, that, that are going to help those teams be as good as they possibly can. Um, and just to give you a snapshot, uh, you know, the moment in time that I was at Teambo, uh, the the, pe- the person running it was Scott O'Neill, um, you know, obviously now the head of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment and Elevate, uh, Chris Heck, uh, who's now the president of the 76ers. Chris Granger, who's, I think, the president of everything in Detroit, except the Pistons now, uh, and Dan <laughs> Reed, who is just the head of sports at Facebook, um, were all the account managers when I was there. So uh, just an incredible group of people. And then you branch off from that and you talk about Ash Puri, J.M. Caparo, Ricardo Ramos, um, uh, Joe Mulford, all these people who I was around, Lauren Stangle, uh, Lauren Heiser, um, just an insanely talented group of people that I was fortunate enough to, to be around. So I always say I got my bachelor of sales at CEB and I got my master's in sports business from Teambo because um, I could not possibly have been around a better group of people. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the time that I was with uh, F- the Phoenix Suns, I mean, when those, when those folks would come in, um, 
you know, I think Donahue uh, was one <laughs> and uh, Justin and uh, you know, it was just a really, you know, awesome um, injection of, of knowledge that got to come in and help really refresh and reminders of things or what, what, what's going around in the league that's been successful. It's always a great. And then obviously IO Jeff Ionello was with us yep. and then went to team Bo. So um, I'm a huge fan. And, and in fact, a little bit about what we're doing here is I, I actually work for, you know, ISC, which is not a fan facing brand, but an ownership group of, you know, 12, you know, major sports facilities across the country with their own front offices. So we're trying to, you know, we're looking at different structures, but a lot of what my job in, entails right now is very similar. Um, working with the different directors and VPs at the properties to try to help build best practices and, 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 and structure. So I've been meaning yeah. to jump on a call with uh, IO a little bit to, to pick his brain, but, um, so, You've been around, you've been, you've seen, you know, multiple leagues, you've seen multiple, you know, sales institutions for those looking to get into sports sales. What are, what are some things that you've seen from elite entry level uh, representatives that really separated themselves from the pack? So I always joke, I think I've got the most boring answer in the industry for this. Um, You know, it's, it's work hard and work hard to improve yourself. Um, You know, I, I don't, I don't need a kid who comes in at seven o'clock and leaves at seven o'clock. What I need is for a kid who comes in at nine and leaves at five to get eight hours of work out of that day. Um, you know, if, if, if that includes, um, you know, making 200 phone calls, that's great. But that, if, if that includes finding multiple ways to make themselves better at their job, you know, sales is all about incremental growth, um, which means the more phone calls you make, the better you're going to be on the phone. The more you invest in yourself to become a better salesperson and increase your close rate, the more sales you're going to make. You know, 1% or 2% doesn't make a difference a lot in one day, but across the course of the year, 1% growth, 2% growth, 5% growth, 10% growth. Oh my gosh, is that such a huge difference on, on the sales board? Um, so w- when I talk to kids getting in the industry, what I say is if you get in that office, invest eight hours of your day um, while you're there. There's plenty of things that you can do outside. You know, if you get in at nine, leave at five, wake up early, have nice coffee sitting on your back porch, go home, read social media, uh, do a do a nice Instagram post of your dinner. You like you can do all that stuff, um, but invest those eight hours in your day, and don't just invest it on the phone or in meetings. Invest it in your own personal development too. And if you do both those things, um, you're going to be wildly successful at sales because that's what I did at CEB. I I tell a lot of people I struggled my first three months when I was at CEB. Um, And I had a boss who said, there's only two things you can control, how hard you work and how hard you work to make yourself better. Um, And I focused on those two things and put a lot of energy in those two things. And I became one of the fastest people CEB ever promoted um, from inside sales to outside sales. Uh, And that's still a huge point of pride for me. I know multiple people have probably sped up that timeline, you know, but at the time that was a, that was a huge point of pride for me that, you know, I could be so bad at three months um, and then be one of the faster people they promote at 10 months through hard work and through the effort I made to make myself better. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not boring. I, I don't, I don't believe in that, you know, I mean, I think uh, that's a huge message for, for folks. Um, you know, we, we've got a couple guys in the office here just for an example that actually live in Jacksonville, but make the drive down and, 
you know, for them, you know, seven o'clock at night's not really in the cards, right? (laughs) They got to make the drive. So it's all about really being efficient with what you're doing every second of the day. And in fact, uh, one of those folks is actually leading the whole company's hustle board for, uh, last month. So, um, and we have folks stay till seven 30 or eight, right? So, um, it's a really good message that you're delivering, but, uh, the way I always look at it is, you know, when you're stepping into a new environment, whether it's your first job in inside sales or you take a lateral move or you go to a new organization, it's always about, for me, looking to the people around you and saying, Hey, I'm not going to be outworked, right? There's, there's definitely things that we can control and, um, and you got to take care of the controllables. And that's, that's a huge part of what, and that's what I love about this podcast, Brad, is I get to talk with folks that have been really successful in their career. And there's a lot of common denominators. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think you can try to be hard work, um, but you know, showing up is, I mean, what is it? The quote showing up is 90% of the job, right? Like if you show up and you get eight hours out of eight hours, there's almost no way you're not going to be successful if you're putting that level of effort in. And um, it's crazy. You know, I I take inbound requests to my website. And I think one of the really critical areas where we really fall down on sales training um, isn't necessarily the this is what they say when people say sales training. Uh, Actually, where we fall down, and it's the number one request from people who write into my website, is about time management. Um, reps want to understand how to be able to use those eight hours within a day. And I think organizationally, we need to do a better job of teaching them how to be more efficient and how to be more thoughtful and how to get more time, uh, how to get more time out of eight hours, right? You know, how do you get, you know, is it blood from a stone, right? Like you need to be able to figure out and teach and coach, uh, on being able to do that. What's, uh, through your time, Brett, I'm, I'm really, I'm starting to build a thesis around, um, you know, an emotion or feeling that, that everyone has at certain levels and, and it's anxiety. What yeah. are your, uh, cause with managing a lot of folks like you have throughout your time, uh, in sports sales or sales period, there, there are anxieties. What are your thought processes on how the greats really ride that anxiety and it really revs them up? And, and some people that, you know, really don't work out, you know, that anxiety might cripple them. So I've, uh, so I, it's funny you asked me this. I actually wrote a, uh, and I put a post on LinkedIn last year where I talked about my struggles with anxiety. Um, so you're, it's, it's, this is a really on the nose topic for me. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of the things about my anxiety that I'm not proud of, um, things that have caused me relationships or had me make decisions that I, I wouldn't have liked to have made. But I also know that part of that anxiety that I have is I want to make a mark on this industry. Um, you know, my my dad um, was the vice principal at Simsbury High School in Connecticut for 35 years. He's got his name on the side of the building. And, you know, when I was living back in Connecticut, when I started to get after it sales the first time, you know, like I, I'd be at the grocery store, you know, checking out and I'd give them my debit card and they'd be like, Zelaski, are you Mr. Zelaski's son? And I'd be like, yeah, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know. I, I hated having to go to the vice principal, but I love that your dad heard me. And so, you know, every day I wake up with this idea that I see the impact that my dad had in a whole generation of, of students, multiple generations of students. And, you know, the anxiety that drives me every day is how can I positively impact this industry? And I think that's what needs to be up behind when you talk about effort and energy and making yourself better. You know, I think there's a great Lou Holtz quote, I think, which is, I can't believe God put us on this earth to be ordinary. Um, you know, th- there's that level of anxiety that I have, 
and my anxiety is very real, um, that, that does drive me to make an impact every day that I wake up. And I, I think, and, and I know I'm all over the place on this one, but no, you're good. obviously it's, it's a sensitive subject to me, but you know, I, I think you need to, um, if you have real anxiety issues, you need to address those outside uh, of it, but you need to be able to use that anxiety to, to drive you to do something great. Like, you know, why be a mediocre sales rep? Like, why not just try to be a great sales rep? If it doesn't work out, there's a whole world of other jobs that you can do. And the best thing that you can have is a manager call someone and say, listen, sales wasn't for them. But I got to tell you, if you want a kid that's going to give you 112%, you know, this is the guy or this is the girl. Like, why leave an organization, um, you know, just, just going down in flames? Why not, you know, put your best foot forward and, and really make an effort? That's awesome. Yeah, I I feel like... Really good insight there. And, and to be honest, I didn't even know that you wrote about it last year, but that's really cool that um, it might have been just the right question for the right person because yeah. I am building this thesis. Like anxiety is a big part of who I am. Um, yeah. But I've also, and, and really what it did for me is it was always pushing me forward. Like I wasn't doing enough, right? At all times. I wasn't learning enough. I wasn't producing enough. I wasn't doing enough. And, and I saw myself and I'm looking to find what the real difference is between for me that always pushed me forward, but I've also known people where it kind of holds them back. Um, that leads me to my, my favorite quote of, of all time is actually from Andy Grove and it's success breeds complacency. Complacency breeds failure. Only the paranoid survive. Yep. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. I mean, like, you know, I really live by that because as soon as you reach success mentally, you're going to take the foot off the brakes naturally, unless there's something very uh, cognizant in your mind that's going to push you forward. Where's the next bar? What's the next level that I need to reach? And uh, you have to, I have a real problem, Brett, celebrating wins. I do it like we do it with the team, right? Yeah, good job. Great job. It's all about the wins. But for me mentally, it's almost like that's my persona. But in my head, I don't even remember a win. Like I'm always about what's the next one. Really, I only remember the failures. <laughs> yep. It's almost like a sickness. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it literally is. <laughs> um, it is absolutely 100% a sickness. But, you know, I, I love that quote, too. It, it actually, um, you saying that quote and you were talking afterwards, it reminded me. Uh, so I'm a big Tottenham Hotspur fan. And yesterday, if you know, soccer was a huge day for us. Um, but Mauricio Pochettino, who's the coach, was talking about Harry Kane, who's built himself up to be one of the best goal scorers in the entire world. And he was talking about just how difficult it is for Kane to maintain that level of success, like how much work it goes in for him to continue to be year after year one of those goal scorers. He's like, he has never worked harder since he became great. And that's not saying he wasn't a hard worker before. But to just be able to maintain that level of greatness is so much work, is so much energy. Uh, he's working even more now to just maintain and maybe gain some incremental growth um, that, than he did to, to get where he was. And I, I thought that was fascinating because I can't tell you how many times I've seen a rep build themselves up over three years, have a monster third year, and then not produce as much revenue You know that fourth year. Um, or that second year to the third year. Like I've just seen so many reps build themselves up and, and not be able to do that. And, you know, there's that sense of, oh, I made it. And I think, mm. you know, having some of that anxiety that's, hey, 
it's not good enough unless it's going forward. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, that, that sickness, I think, helps in sales. Um, right. It's not great outside of the office. Nope. But I think when you're in there doing the job, I, I, I think it, it is absolutely a huge reason, um, you know, why I've been able to build on success in most places I've been. One, uh, one quick parallel, because I, I know that we have uh, a lot of, uh, I love Apple uh, podcasts and Spotify. They give great demographics on the back end. So I know we have a lot of young listeners here. Um, one parallel maybe that they can relate to is uh, I'm a big esports guy. Love esports. My nephew yeah. is, uh, my nephew is a professional Gears of War player, traveled the world, you know, Mexico, Paris on million dollar tours. And on the streaming side of that business for the folks that might not be, you know, the best, uh, player and on the pro scene, but really on the content creation scene, like, uh, a ninja who was pro, but, you know, really his thing now is, is, uh, streaming. Man, the anxiety that goes into that because you can build it up and it can go away overnight, right? You have to be there. Just like that. You have to be there every day. You have to show up every day. You almost become a slave to your own success in some forms. Um, and right now, Ninja is not the hottest name on Twitch, which is people don't really realize that. I think he's his brand is massive now, obviously, but even someone who you know is on the cover of ESPN the magazine is the first. Uh, you know, person really in gaming right yep. now. And he was floating around a hundred thousand views per stream right now. He's in like 20, 30, 40. So it's really, uh, you know, for those who might cross over into both worlds, it's a really good parallel, what it takes to be, to maintain a level of success. It's like, it's a speech I always give folks once they graduate inside sales. Cause you have this feeling of, Oh God, I made it right. I finally, I get to earn my full-time job here and they have, but really, yep. at that point, the expectations are raised, right? Yeah. The expectations do become more, not only revenue, but being a mentor, you're probably going to have to do a little bit more outside of just worrying about yourself. Um, you're probably going to have to help along, you know, the next generation that's behind you and, and, uh, and also hold your seat. So, um, you know, I think it's a really good, um, conversation that I think needs to be had on how, how do we, how do we help our, ma our reps and, uh, our team members manage that anxiety, um, and really ride it rather than having it, um, slow them down. So appreciate the, your, your, uh, context and input there on, on the topic. Um, Brett, sure. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What, uh, breaking away from the normal, you know, trajectory of what the first couple podcasts have been. What's something right now in the role that you're in, you're in the consulting business and content creation, you know, what, what's a really hot topic out there in the world that you feel like needs to be discussed? So I, I've touched on it a little bit, um, but I, I think without question, time management uh, is, is absolutely critical uh, because, you know, with all the innovations in technology and the way that you can communicate fans, communicate with fans, talk to people. Yet at the end of the day, people are still only buying over the phone and in person. Um, how do we make sure that we think about something that has become so broad uh, and all of a sudden making it um, and, and making it very easy for a rep to understand how to utilize each one of those channels and then working with them to make sure that we understand how successful they are within those specific channels because you know one rep can be great on video but could be awful over the phone right like that is actually a thing <laughs> that a salesperson can be these days yeah is great on video but terrible over the phone you know i 
I say this in all my sales trainings. When I started in sales, I was actually one of the first people to use email to convey information. And I know that sounds insane right now, but most people use email just as like we use text messaging now. And I know that dates me as a salesperson, but I was actually one of those people at CEB that innovated on the technology saying, I can utilize email as part of the way that I communicate. And so then I had phone and then I had email, right? But now we have, gosh, phone, text message, email, social media, video. I mean, we have a million different ways that we can communicate with people. Right. And part of our job as a management and an organization needs to be working with reps and breaking outside of our own saying, well, you need to pound the phone. I don't care about anything else. This is how I did it. We need to work with what is the millennial generation is the most creative generation of salespeople we've ever seen, but they're only creative when we unlock them through all those different channels. And I think teams and organizations, if you're teaching sales training and you aren't teaching time management, um, yeah, I, I, I fundamentally disagree with the backbone of what you're teaching right now. Mm, that's well said. I love, let me, so, so you can probably tell, uh, you know, I love, um, learning from folks about not how they speak, but what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge Gary V guy, huge Gary V. So I've been listening to Gary V for about a year before I even stepped foot into the arena of content creation. And man, it's so powerful right? Like I had used LinkedIn as a tool to sell when I was at the Suns. It was really cool. They gave us a lot of tools there and, and helped help us learn how to prospect and all that kind of good stuff using uh, LinkedIn. But man, can you really right now as a salesperson sell by brand while also being a direct salesperson, right? Like the, I, I truly believe in our space that there's a huge white space, huge yep. on, you know, what I, what I committed to myself was I was going to post one piece of content a day, just one. And um, really the alpha of that, uh, Brett, was that my program here at ISC is not, there's not a lot of years of history of kids coming right out of school and going into NASCAR uh, ticket sales. So I knew that I had to really, outside of how I traditionally would recruit, I have to be really get the word out of what does it look like and how does it feel? What does it smell? You know, the sight sounds and smells of working here at ISC. Cause again, we're not a brand. <laughs> we are not yeah. a brand. We are an ownership group, right? Our brands are our properties, Daytona international speedway, Homestead, Miami speedway, Chicagoland, Phoenix, uh, ISM. So, um, man, the returns on what since January or d- right before Christmas have been amazing. Um, yep. And on the rep level, on the account executive level, inside sales level, you have the ability to just build a, a wider net using tools. And uh, I a hundred percent agree with where you're, what you're, what you're uh, stepping in there. I always say, what you I smell what you're stepping in. <laughs> How, like, with your time with the Dynamo, what was a part of that structure that you helped, you know, teach some folks on how to use some of these tools that we have? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be completely honest. You know, I I don't think time management stuck out as much to me um, with the Dynamo. um, So shame on me. Um, You know, I'm I'm always willing to to step in my own mistakes, uh, as it were. Um, You know, I I think this has been a real revelation since I've, you know, started Empowerment of a Salesperson. So we're rolling up on one year, just hearing 
all these people right into the website and saying, I'm struggling with this and I'm not getting information about it has made me take a step back and, and really think about time management and the specific components of time management that we just don't do a good job teaching reps on. Like something as basic that we, that I don't hear anyone teaches lead qualification, right? Like, I mean, how do you know when someone is about to ghost you? Like, how do you re-engage someone who's ghosted you? How do you know when it's time to break up with someone? Like just making sure that we teach a rep how to pressure test the situation is critical. We need to teach reps to be able to look at their business like it's their own business, yep. like they're running their own company. And so teaching them things like pipeline management um, and not just to do a pipeline management, but to teach a rep why it has a positive net impact on their business and why that, how that pipeline management document can show them a roadmap of what they need to do each day. Um, very recently, I've introduced into my sales training doing a sales autopsy, which was someone I learned from one of my friends outside of sports, which is being able to take a look at your biggest months and your biggest weeks and understanding what were the actions that we took that we found success. And then what were the consistent patterns that we were showing over time that also yielded success? And then making sure that we can double, triple, quadruple down in, in those specific areas, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if all of a sudden, you, if over a period of time, you were doing 10 meetings a week and you were finding success, and then over the last few weeks, you've been doing three meetings a week, <laughs> but your call volume has been higher, but you've been selling less, that needs to tell a story for you. And we don't work with reps diligently enough to make sure that they understand how those components, lead qualification, pipeline management, sales autopsies, how that can make sure that they get far more out of eight hours than they do at any other time. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love it because there's very basic um, principles there like, hey, you know, a rep comes in, I'm really, I'm struggling. Okay, let's diagnose what's going on. Let's look at the process. Let's look at the touch points. Let's look at the revenue. But looking at, like, I love what you're talking about on, when I think of autopsy, I, I think of someone who unfortunately has passed away. Um, sure. So looking at why is this guy in your pipeline, right? Like, why are you continuing to spend time? Are the questions you're asking him when you do get him on the phone, are you setting yourself up for success? Are you finding out, Absolutely. are you asking the questions that are the hard questions that maybe you're barking up the wrong tree and you know, it's okay. We don't have to break up as friends, but just right now is not the right time. Right. And being efficient with how you organize that pipeline can mean the world. I mean, just, you know, some of the, one of the biggest variances I've, I've seen from a, from a rep's perspective is honestly how they manage their CRM, which really goes into your theme of timeline, right? hundred percent. If someone is really accept, and you know what CRM is, it's a, it's a big sandbox. There's a million ways to do it in there, right? Yep. And the yep. folks that have found how to really harness the power of CRM through organization and pipeline management, those folks are squeezing the dollars out that just others that where the talent or the direction isn't given to them and they haven't figured it out on their own. They're just not, they're not seeing those results. And man, is that something uh, you're, you know, what a challenge from a leader to help really deep dive into organization. Cause it's not the, e there's things that are very surface level, but really where the incremental real big gains come are really deeper. Would you agree with that? Like it's like uh, three or four 100%. layers down. And uh, helping someone get there can really be the difference between, 
you know, developing a five-star blue chip or, you know, someone who had that potential, but really never reached it. And I think one of the things along that way, I mean, I couldn't possibly agree more with what you said. I think one of the most important things for managers and directors and vice presidents to understand is you need to be humble enough to know that your approach to sales isn't what's necessarily going to make in each individual rep successful. Um, because mm. we always continue to go back to what made us successful and lay that over the top of each one of our reps. Um, we do it as a blanket, but each each rep feels that individually. And so we need to be humble enough to walk in and be able to say, I don't want to make Jim Brett. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I need to make sure that I figure out how to unlock Jim. I mean, there's a, there's a great example when I was at the Dynamo. We had this rep with this gigantic personality who just could not figure out a way to, to get that personality into the phone. Um, and we invested in you know technology, video technology called OneMob. And all of a sudden, his ability to get on video and to make that personality really shine through the video process, oh my gosh, it unlocked his ability. Like I think you know he paid for what we paid for OneMob in like three weeks, just him Jesus. utilizing it. And this was a rep who was bringing in almost zero revenue for, for multiple months. And so, wow. like I said, being humble enough to understand all the resources available to them and work towards them to push them towards those resources. Because I love one mob, but I'm still, you know, I'm pretty old school. Like I'm better phone. I'm better face to face. That rep just very happened to be video. And you see lots of reps who are very good on social media. Um, but they, they need to figure out while they're good at it, how that can drive sales. And that's part of your responsibility to help them through that process and being humble enough to understand that that doesn't have to be the same way you did it because it's not <laughs> right. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, so, uh, one thing I'll, I'll leave technology out of it. Cause I think you just nailed it on the head. One thing that I, I spent about a year and a half, uh, mentoring, um, Morgan Kyle here at the Academy. And now he's, uh, he just took the director of ticket sales role for our track in Miami. And one of the biggest, things that I wanted to uh, drive home when it pertained to onboarding and training is we have to teach a best practice line, right? We, if I came in and just try to teach folks how I sold, man, are you just cutting like a a class of five? You're going to have one guy really, really get it. We're going to teach a best practice line and then we're going to allow, we're going to help guide them and shepherd them and find their, you know, we want them to be as close as possible, right? Because best practice is best practice for a reason. I think that when you add tech, there's all new forms of best practice as well, but just traditional work, your workflow, they're going to find, I almost like draw a line in the air and then I do waves like a sound wave. They're going to find yeah. their path that really clicks and 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 it's our job not to just send them out there in the wild and have them figure it out it's our job to help guide them and find what really works for them because i'll tell you what whenever i was in inside sales i i was lucky enough to have charlie chislagi really early on and it really meshed with i i sold like heavy 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 relationship that was my my thing while my counterpart andrew yarnell was really heavy heavy like direct bang to the point you know what kind of card do you want to put that on if I were to just train that, I mean, it's just not in the cards for everybody. And really, nope. you got to find happy balance in, in training so that your folks can find their way. 
So yeah, I mean, you hit it spot on. You know, I, I think you know when I, you know, when I was at the Columbus Crew, you know, I hired Jacob Hanselman, you know, who's now the senior director of ticket sales for um, the Colorado Rapids as my inside sales manager. And part of the reason I hired Jacob was a very conscious understanding of that. Jacob and I sell completely differently. Like I am much more relational. Jacob is very straightforward. And I thought that was very critical for our reps to be able to see that and then understand where along that, that line that, that they fit. You know, maybe it was like me, maybe it was like Jacob, you know, maybe it was, it was somewhere in between. Um, but I always thought that was a very critical thing for, for people to see. So choosing Jacob um, was not just because he's a phenomenal salesperson. Uh, it had a lot to do with, I believe, that personality balance was best um, for, for the people in our organization. That's awesome. That's brilliant. Hey, man, we've been, I think we could do this for three or four hours, but we're at the 36 minute mark. I told you, you know, we would probably try to keep it around 30, 40 minutes. Um, really appreciate the time. Great insights. I think there's a lot of value that can be extracted from this conversation for folks out there. Um, the way that I like to close is always, you know, what does blocking and tackling mean to you, Brett, when it pertains to a sales process? And, um, for me, you know, really blocking and tackling is the, is the process. It's the, it's not the thing that's sexy that ends up on LinkedIn, right? It's not the, um, the things that really get celebrated. It's all about the, the grimy things that we do to hold ourselves accountable and, uh, stick to a process day in and day out. What is blocking the phrase blocking and tackling? How do you, how do you wrap your head around that when it pertains to sports sales? Yeah, so I so I agree with you. So I, I like to think about that as in two different ways. First, um, you did it. You, you talked about it exactly how I think about it. If I was a sales rep, um, if I'm a sales rep, I need to wake up every single day understanding the importance of CRM, the importance of actually making phone calls, the importance of figuring out how to do my job best, and then making sure that I replicate those behaviors all the time. I mean. We have reps that come in and try to like freestyle every single day that they're in the office. And oh my gosh, that is the worst possible way to find success. Like literally block your calendar every day, figuring out what you need to do to be successful. You know, to mm. me, that's what blocking and tackling is. Listen, if I'm in a call hour, I'm going to have those leads printed out and I'm going to make those calls. Then I'm going to have blocked in 30 minutes afterwards to update CRM. And I'm going to spend that whole 30 minutes updating CRM. It's making sure that you do all the parts of the job and not just the sexy or glamorous parts of the job. Because if you do all parts of the job, you'll get more sexy, glamorous parts. If you only do the blocking and tackling once in a while, those sexy parts are going to be few and far between. And then I, I think, you know, when I think about it as a sales manager or sales director or vice president, I think part of our job needs to be to wake up every single day and figure out what obstacles we need to remove from our reps to be successful. How do we make sure that our reps are free to do the job as well as possible? And the example that I make, one of the things I'm forever proud of, you know, when we were at the Columbus Crew, um, we increased premium sales by about 300, premium seat sales about 300% during the time that I was there. And one of the challenges our reps kept hearing when we struggled at the beginning to sell the businesses was businesses just saw soccer as a risky product. Right. And so one of the things that I needed to do, I, I couldn't let my reps figure that out on their own. Part of my job was to work with our reps to make sure that they were armed so people didn't see soccer as an obstacle 
In fact, they saw soccer as a very positive thing when they were done with the buying process. So that's one small example of, mm. you know, not just something like putting a ticket plan in place, yep. but also making sure that with what our reps are hearing on the phones, that they feel armed to get around it. So I like how you said it. That's exactly how I think about it for a sales rep. And if I'm a manager, director, vice president, I'm going to turn that around a little bit. And I'm going to think, what obstacles can I get out of the way for my reps to make sure that they're successful? Wow, Brett, really, really well said. Uh, really well said, my friend. Hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the uh, the lunch hour to uh, chat with us and, and, and get some thoughts here on the podcast. And uh, man, can't wait to uh, follow up. We got to have a networking call here soon. For sure. And listen, I... Like I said, and, and I know I've said this multiple times on social media, uh, it's been unbelievable. You know, if, if people need a lesson in terms of how to create value for an industry uh, and for individuals and for their property, I mean, you, and again, and, and those is going to sound like blowing smoke, but it's it's the truth. You, you are a, a shining example of how someone can build value through that process. So I certainly appreciate the time and I'm happy to, to continue endorse and support however I can. Hey, man, really appreciate the kind words. Thanks so much, Brett. Hey, have a good day, man, and also a good weekend. I will. You too, bud. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.